I've uh, I've been shopping for a new phone. Uh, I uh, I've I've got this phone that I'm pretty proud of. I've enjoyed. It's been a great phone for me for the last few years. It's a, a Samsung Blackjack, and uh, again, it's a, it's like four years old. But evidently, uh, it's quite comical to some people. For instance, I, I was I went into Radio Shack the other day, and I was talking to a guy about getting a new phone. I'm pretty particular about what I want in a phone. I don't like to pay a lot for a phone. I don't have a media plan and all that stuff. And uh, it's been kind of hard to find what it is that I want because evidently the world has just raced ahead of me uh, in the last four years. And so the guy said, well, what kind of phone you got? And I had it in my pocket. And I said, well, I've got a Samsung Blackjack. And he had this look on his face all of a sudden of like, take that out and show it to me. You know, and, and he took it and he looked at it and he goes, wow, man, I've never seen anything like that before. You know, I mean, look, it's got the touchpad. And I mean, he was making fun of me. He was making fun of me in the moment. It's like, dude, it's not like I'm carrying a bag phone or anything. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, you know, uh, there's the whole whole world now iPhone users, you know, I mean, it's just because I don't have one, you know, so so we were talking about, you know, getting a new phone and I still haven't gotten a new one. But uh, how many of you have a mobile phone? Right. You can just raise your hand. Yeah. Just about everybody. Uh, how many of you have it in your pocket, uh, in your purse right now? You, you've got it with you. All right. Is it just about everybody? Yeah. Now, how many of you like have to have it wherever you go? You know, I mean, you know that when you leave the house, I mean, you're not going to, I mean, you might forget your wife, you might forget your kids at home, but you won't leave your phone. I mean, you, you won't miss it. I mean, there are people like that that are crazy about their phones and always being connected. I, I was out for a run the other day running uh, the Potter's Bridge Trail, which is my favorite, one of my favorite runs. And I came up on this mom and daughter, like teenage daughter that were walking together. And they're walking and mom is just talking away on her phone and the daughter's texting the whole time. You know, they're walking. Uh, you know, just can't get away from it. If that's you, you know, put the phone away. You know, leave the phone at the house. You can, you can take a l- little bit of a moment break. Uh, how many of you are like fascinated with the strength of signal that you have? You know, it, like you're just one of those that just out of curiosity, you can be in all these random places and you'll take your phone out just to see what kind of signal you've got. Anybody like that? You know, for example, you've ever been at 40,000 feet in a plane, you know, your phone's not supposed to be turned on, but have you ever turned it on? Just, I wonder if I get a signal up here. Anybody done that? Yeah, we've got a couple of honest people around the room. I've done that before. Uh, you know, telephone, or not telephone, but mobile phone companies are still all about, you know, strength of signal, you know, and making sure that all America's covered. I mean, supposedly they've got all of America, they've got all of Montana covered, but there just seems to be this quarter mile stretch down here on, you know, I-69 that they can't get, you know. I mean, they can get everywhere else. But, you know, it's all about strength of signal. It's about all about more bars and, you know, strength of the connection. You know, this morning as we get ready to talk about prayer, my, my question for you as we open is, um, what, what's the strength of your signal? What's the strength of your connection with God right now? Or, or look at it this way. Suppose you were to get a monthly statement from God, and uh, you recently got one for the month of September on your talk time with God. H- how many minutes would it reveal used or, or left in your account? How many rollover minutes you got? I mean, what, what's your strength? What, what, what the strength of your signal, your connection with God? We're, we're going to talk about that today. I want to start with 1 John chapter 5. Uh, you can go there if you want, but I'm going to go right into the verse, and uh, we're going to actually spend more time in Matthew chapter 6. But you can follow along on the screen if you like. John writes here, 1 John chapter 5. I want to look at a couple of verses here. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, don't miss this verse. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. 
that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. So the writer John here uses this letter, uh, his first letter, to encourage Christians in their faith. He reminds us that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have this advantage. We have this perk, this bonus in being a follower of Jesus Christ in that we can have a relationship with God. And that promises us, that offers us a couple of things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first thing is this, that you can go to God in prayer. That by having a relationship with God, you've been given this privilege, this advantage, that you can go to God in prayer. Verse 14 gives us confidence in this. It says, hey, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, if we pray, that He will hear us. You know, this verse reminds us that we can go to God in prayer. The second thing, the second promise here is that when we go to God in prayer, and you can write this down, that He will hear you that our God promises that he will hear you. Now, this word hear doesn't simply mean that maybe he audibly listens but chooses to whether he really wants to listen or not. I mean, you know, kind of like me. I mean, sometimes my kids are really whining, but I'm practicing selective listening, you know, and so I'm not really listening to them even in their whininess. Well, God doesn't do that. You know, this word here means that he is attentively, attentively listening, that, that he, he is listening favorably, And that it means that not only is he listening, but he understands and he is preparing to respond to those things that we are asking of him. That's what a relationship with God provides. That you and I can go to God in prayer. And when we go to God in prayer, he will hear you. So if that's the truth, why is it that we don't spend more time praying? I mean, if we have that promise from God, why is it that we don't spend more time praying? Why don't we take this privilege, you know, that we have? Why is it that we take it for benefit or for granted? Now, here's what's interesting. I think as a church, I think as followers of Jesus, as Christians, that theoretically, when it comes to prayer, we all know that we should pray. And I think we all know and realize that there should be evidence of a growing prayer life in any Christian, but but that doesn't happen. And there are a number of reasons why we don't make prayer a priority in our lives. You know, we might have good intentions, but but we get busy, or or the chaos of life, or the routine of life, the unexpected comes up. You know, it's just the schedule, and so we, we can't seem to find time to pray. Or maybe for you, it's just frustrating. And so prayer is the same old story. I mean, you lay down at night to pray, and before you know it, your mind starts wandering. wandering, Or before you know it, it's morning. You know, I mean, you fell asleep. I mean, you made it like two sentences in, and and wouldn't you know it, you know, you, you fell asleep. You know, some are intimidated by prayer. You know, they just, they don't know where to start. Others have come to the conclusion that prayer is boring, which doesn't really make sense. I mean, when you think about it, when it comes from your mouth, that prayer is boring. I mean, that we get that as followers of Jesus, that we can go to the creator of the universe. But I'll tell you what, when I hear someone say, you know, prayer is boring, I'll be honest, I can understand. I've been there at times. You know, I've been frustrated in my prayers and wondered if God was listening. I, I've felt the same way. You know, for me, one of my greatest, you know, downfalls when it comes to prayer is just slowing down enough to spend time with God. Well, this morning we begin, I think, a really important three-week series uh, on this subject of prayer. And it's about strengthening your connection with God. We're calling this series Open Skies. Basically, you know, the sky is open to us. God is there. He is ready and willing and waiting to listen. 
And one of my goals over these next couple of weeks is to just try and clear some of the confusion when it comes to prayer. I mean, we don't take enough time to talk about prayer. You know, we're afraid to share our frustrations with prayer. You know, I think we're all maybe a little embarrassed at times about, you know, that we haven't made it anywhere or that we really don't pray or we take these long breaks before we ever pray again. But I want you to know this, that if you struggle with prayer, you're not alone. I mean, most people, if not all of us, I mean, we we struggle in prayer. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about prayer. And over the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about some of the basics of prayer. And, and here's what I hope to provide for you, that if you've never gotten started in your prayer life or it fell apart or you didn't know where to begin or you don't know where to begin even now, I, I hope this series can create a bit of a starting point for you, that you just find some confidence over these next few weeks to begin praying. Uh, for others of you, uh, I hope this is an opportunity for, for you to grow even further in your prayer life. And, and we're going to talk about some of the great questions that come with prayer. You know, next week we're going to talk about what it means to hear God's voice and to understand His will. How do you process that? I mean, we talk about it. We throw those statements out all the time. But what does, what does that really mean? And in a few weeks we're going to talk about unanswered prayer. You know, and some of the frustration and pain that comes from praying these prayers that seem to go un, unanswered. And, and why is that? But here's what I want for you. Uh, my, my hope and my prayer that is over these next couple of weeks, um, Ben, can you keep your kid quiet, man? I mean, every Monday morning we talk about that. You've got to keep that kid quiet. You're going to have to find another job, man. You've got to find another job. Just tease him. Ben's our worship pastor. I wouldn't do that to you if that was your kid. So just Ben, only because he would do it to me. But here's what I want for you. Here's what I want for us. My hope, my prayer is that by the end of these few weeks, that we won't just simply have talked about prayer and learned a little bit more about what Scripture says about prayer, as important as that is, but I hope we'll pray. I hope we'll see a room full, a church full of people who just say, you know what, Um, I I got a new commitment. I'm going to give it a fresh start when it comes to being someone who, who prays. You know, and I don't want you to do it because you have to or you feel like it's required of you. I just want this kind of hunger inside of you to say, I want this. I, I can see the benefit of this. And, and I think that if we ever hope to be classified a praying church, you know, groups of people praying together at all different times, whether it be scheduled or not, I think it really starts with a commitment from individuals who just say, I'm going to pray. And that's where it really begins. So we don't simply want to talk about prayer. We want to move beyond the discussion. We actually want to be a church and people who pray. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Go to the first book of the New Testament to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus uses, he in Matthew chapter 6, teaches us how to pray. Uh, And it's here in Matthew 6 that we find the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is also found in the Gospel of Luke. And it's interesting that in Luke, he tells us that the disciples came to Jesus and they asked this question. They asked, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And that's pretty fascinating because it's the only point in Scripture that we actually see the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to do something. He, they never asked him, hey, would you teach us how to multiply fish and bread? Or they never asked, would you teach us how to walk on water? They asked Jesus, hey, would you teach us how to pray? 
You know, and so Jesus here, I believe that in the Lord's Prayer, provides a model, an example. You know, we, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And you might have grown up, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer in church. Uh, I grew up in a Lutheran school, and so we said it every week uh, in our chapel services. But before we look at this prayer uh, and this model, this example, I, I want to show you just a couple of important lessons, comments uh, that Jesus makes about our posture when it comes to our prayers. So beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, it's easy to fall into this trap, I think, when it comes to prayers and other things that have to do with being a Christian. You know, you've seen people guilty of this. They, they start trying to be someone that they really aren't, you know, kind of a poser of sorts. Well, the point Jesus is making is that he doesn't want us to try and impress people or impress others or impress God with, with, with our prayers. You know, he, he's not really into this. And the most consistent teaching in the New Testament uh, when it comes to the prayers that you pray and living for Christ is this. Be real, you know, be authentic. You know, be yourself. And if you're taking notes, write this down. When it comes to prayer, when you pray, just be yourself. I think that's a great starting point, especially if you're, if you're just getting into this or you're going to take a great leap with this maybe this week or over the next couple of weeks, that when you pray, just be yourself. Don't try and be someone that you're not. God's not looking for fancy words from you. He just wants you to be you. Now, you've seen this before. You've seen people that use all these fancy words when they pray, you know, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, you know, give us and grant us traveling mercies, all these great things. Now, those words may be very authentic, but, but if you're hearing those words from, you know, some sort of MB, MVP or all state, you know, prayer or whatever, you know, and if you're hearing that and thinking, man, I got I to gotta get those into my prayer lingo, you know, th- there's a problem there. Again, the point is that Jesus is making just be yourself. Uh, He just wants to hear from you. He created you just as you are. He continues in in verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, many listening to Jesus at this time, um, for them prayer had become this formal almost lifeless and very ritual sort of thing where people would just say the same words over and over again. And this was true for many of the Jews. For example, the Jews had a prayer that they would pray at nine in the morning and then at nine o'clock again at night. They called it the Shema. And it was this recited prayer. No matter what they were doing, where they were, they would kind of set everything aside and they would just pray this prayer. And, and for some, uh, it was probably very genuine and authentic. But Jesus was pointing out that for many, it was an obligation and it was a routine. And there were a number of prayers like that. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, if you're just saying words, if they're just coming out of your mouth very routinely and they mean nothing to you, guess what? They don't mean a lot to me either. And so when you pray, you know, mean it. You know, it was also believed that effective prayers were long prayers. You know, that the longer you pray, the more effective they were. Jesus says, no, that's not the case. But Jesus is saying, just be yourself, be yourself. And so that brings us to the Lord's Prayer. And here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, And again, hear me when I say this. I believe that Jesus left us this as an example, this prayer. And there's a really important lesson in here. 
uh, if you'll allow it to guide you, especially if you're here this morning and you don't really know where to get started in prayer. You don't know how to get going. If you would allow it, I believe that the Lord's Prayer can provide a pattern for us. It can provide an example of sorts, that there are some ingredients in this prayer that can guide you as you sit down and think about what it means to have a conversation with God and what it means to prayer. Now, I also want you to see that this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, isn't magic or something. And while I believe it's important to learn this scripture and to learn other scripture, uh, there's nothing magical in memorizing this prayer or reciting this prayer. You know, you can't say it 10 times in a row or something, and then, well, then it'll work. You know, I mean, your, your prayers will work. But what I really want you to notice is how Jesus prays. I want you to notice the, the posture that he takes in his prayer. Uh, here. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. Let's read it together. Let's read it all the way through, and and you can follow along with me. And let's just read it out loud, uh, beginning in Matthew 6, verse 9. Here it goes. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's it. Depending on what church tradition you came from, there might be some different words included or an added phrase. Uh, Whether you say debts or trespasses. I I remember it used to be a competition in our church, you know, when I was growing up as a kid. You say debts or, or trespasses. But here's what I want to say. You know, when Jesus was asked to teach on prayer, what does he do? He he didn't give a 30 to 40 minute lecture on the theology of prayer. You know what Jesus did? He prayed. You know, the disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so he prayed and he let his disciples listen. You know, I think the best way to learn how to pray is just start praying. Uh, You want to be a better free throw shooter? Shoot free throws. You want to get better in your prayers? You want to feel like your prayers are more effective? Just start praying. Just practice praying. And, and I believe that the more you pray, the more natural it becomes. And, and so here's what we're going to do. Over the next few minutes, uh, we're going to look at this prayer that Jesus prayed verse by verse. And I want to extract for you just a couple of things that we might not immediately recognize that I believe that Jesus is doing here. And, and I believe these things that he is doing can kind of serve as a guide and as an example for us. And then we're going to take a couple of moments in our service to just pray. And it'll get really quiet in the room. And I'm going to give you a minute or two just to pray through something. And you don't have to pray out loud and you can be silent. Uh, But I I want us to take that time today with no distractions uh, to be able to pray together. So the Lord's Prayer begins this way. Verse 9, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's what I want you to see from the very beginning of Jesus' prayer. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down that his prayer begins with adoration. That Jesus' prayer begins with adoration. And adoration means that you begin your prayers by saying, God, you are worthy. I mean, God, you are worthy of all things. God, I love you. God, I I praise you because. And, And I think it's important that when we pray, we remember who it is that we are talking to. Now, in most situations, you wouldn't go sprinting into your boss's office uninvited, you know, with an urgent request. And so why would we barge into the presence of God without being reminded of who it is that we are getting ready to talk to? 
Adoration reminds us who we are talking to. You know, too often we get so focused on our problems and our wish list and our task list, our task list. But when we start with adoration, it takes the focus off of me. It puts all of the focus on God. And as you practice this, you begin to realize that nothing is too big for our God. When uh, my wife and I, we pray with our kids at night before we put them to bed. And I don't know what your home is like come bedtime, but my wife and I are exhausted. And when you start to add up, you know, bath time and pajamas and getting them into the room. And then here's what happens in our house. Does it happen in anybody else's? It's like amateur improv comedy hour at our house whenever bedtime comes around. I mean, we've got three comedians on our hand and trying to get them settled down and to finally get them into bed and, and to say prayers. I mean, we want our children to understand that they can go to God, that that's a great blessing that we have, but we also want them to understand who it is that you're talking to. And so we never know what we're going to get when it comes to prayer time, but we want our children to understand who it is that they are talking to. You know, adoration can be about saying thank you to God. It can mean opening your prayers by, by saying thank you. I mean, we have so many things to thank God for. I mean, He's all-powerful. Um, he's, he's a great provider. We can thank Him for His justice and mercy. Uh, we can thank Him for grace and, and for forgiveness. You know, that no matter how many times you fail, God still loves you and He's ready and willing to listen. Uh, we can thank God for how He's provided, for how He provides protection for your children or helps them to get through a difficult situation in their life. That even though your income changed, that God has provided for every bill and He's provided for every meal. Adoration position, excuse me, positions our hearts. You know, it's not just saying words either. Sometimes it's thinking and reflecting and just being quiet. You know, sometimes when I begin my day, I'll, I'll take a worship CD of some of the songs we sing here at Genesis on Sunday morning, and I'll just listen, and I'll be quiet, and I'll listen to the lyrics, and I'll let those lyrics kind of be the start of my prayer. You know, in Matthew 21, Jesus uh, later on was teaching again on prayer, and, and you've heard this before, but he says, hey, you can pray in such a way that if you have faith, you can move mountains. And we've all got mountains in our life. We've all got these great challenges. We've got, all got these requests that we want to take before God, and he wants to hear those requests. But when we rush into God's presence and when we fail to realize or to be reminded of who it is that we are talking to, I just think we're way more focused on the mountain rather than the one who can actually move that mountain for us. And so maybe this morning you're kind of standing in the shadow of your mountain right now. And for you, maybe it's a, a habit that you just can't seem to break. It's a temptation that brings you down over and over again. It's a family problem, a financial problem, a health issue. You know, no matter what it is, what, what's your mountain? What are the challenges that you're facing right now? And, and what if you change the pattern of your prayer this morning? And rather than rush into God's presence with what it is that you need, you actually spent a moment in His presence being reminded of who He is and what He's offered to us. So before we do anything else, I want to just take a couple of minutes and it's going to be quiet in the room. And I want to just give you a chance to bow your head and close your eyes. And you use your own words. And you can speak silently and you can pray silently. But is there something that you can do that sets your heart right? That you can say, God, thank you for this. God, I love you because. Take a moment to do that and then we'll continue on. God, we thank you that when we call on your name, you promise to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Adoration <clears throat> positions our heart. 
Uh, it takes the focus off of us. It puts the focus on God. I, I hope that you'll make something like this a part of your prayers. Uh, in fact, here's what I want to ask of you. Um, over the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you to pray every day. And so here's what I want to challenge you to pray over the course of the next week until we get together again next Sunday. Um, what if tomorrow at 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, if that works for you, would you be willing to pray for one minute at 1 o'clock every day this next week? Just one minute. And just give adoration to God. Well, let's just make that our practice together. I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to set the alarm on my phone. It does have that. Uh, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone so that when it goes off at 1 o'clock every day, I'm just going to take a moment. And so whether you're sitting at your desk, finishing up lunch, driving down the road, keep your eyes open. Uh, just take a minute and just give God thanks for something that he is doing in your life. And, and let's pray that prayer uh, together. Let's continue on. Verse 10. Jesus says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the word here is the word affirmation. Uh, Jesus is giving affirmation. This is where we tell God, God, I affirm that what I want for my life and for your, uh, is for your will to be done. What I want is your will in my life. What I want is your work in my life. Again, notice that before he even goes before God with his task list or his wish list of what he wants before what we want, you can just affirm with your lips and with your heart, God, your will be done in my life. What is it that you want to do through me? It's all about what God wants. The truth is that there are things that I want in my life at times that God doesn't want for me. But when I'm able to say it with my life, or with my mouth, God, I want your will to be done, uh, changes. And I, I don't know about you, but I can race right past this part in my prayers because you know, I want it to be about me. I want it to be about what I need and, and I think I know what's best, like I'm always right or something. But is that what your prayers are missing right now? You know, this attitude of affirmation of God, your will be done. God, your will be accomplished in me. You know, Maybe for you it sounds something like this. God, I don't understand why I didn't get the promotion, but your will be done. God, I don't understand why I, I, I don't have the chance to start, you know, on the team, but your will be done. God, I don't understand why that relationship didn't work out because I really wanted it to, but your will be done. God, I don't understand the health crisis. I don't understand the pain, especially when I realize and read that you could take it all away. I don't get that, God. But I want to say with my mouth this morning that your will be done. You know, my confidence is in you. And so let's just do that. You know, silently where you are, just take a moment. Uh, would you be willing to pray in your own heart this morning, God, your will be done. You know, say it with your, with your, with your mouth. You know, God, I'm, I'm tired of playing tug of war with you. I'm kind of waving the white flag right now. God, your will be done. Take a moment to do that. God, I am... I forget to surrender my will to you. And I want you to have every part of my life. I surrender my will to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11. Jesus prays, give us today our daily bread. Uh, the word you can write down here is the word appeal. Uh, this is the appeal. This is where you go to God with your appeal. This is what... We are so thankful uh, to have as followers of Jesus that we can go to our God, that we can take our great questions. Uh, it's where you go to God with your wish list. It's where we go when we say, God, I need help. I need you in my life right now. I can't get through this 
on my own. Now, the problem is that when this is the only ask of our prayers, that this is the only element or the only ingredient of our prayers, because we have this tendency to tell God what we need. But again, that's not the only point of prayer. Now, to appeal to God means to go to Him and ask God to intervene. It's to go and say, God, I give you permission. You know, as much as that's required of me, I give you permission to come in and to work in my life. And that's not always easy, especially if you're one of those that has the tendency to be very self-sufficient. You know, I'm like that at times. Like, I can take care of this myself. And sometimes I, I just forget that I have this, this right to go before God to pray. But prayer gives me permission to say, God, I can't do this without you. You know, prayer is getting so humble. It's getting humble enough to pray, God, carry me right now. I really need you to carry me through this. I can't get through this week. I can't get through this day or this meeting without you being with me. You know, what is it that's on your list right now? You know, what are the requests that you want or you need to take before God? I mean, if you could ask God one thing and you knew he would respond and you knew he would deliver and answer that prayer, what would you ask? I mean, maybe it's that health challenge. You know, maybe it's healing from abuse right now in your life, a difficult marriage. Maybe it's the strength to be the right husband or to be the right father. Maybe you want God to change your son or your daughter's heart. I mean, we'll go to all sorts of extremes to fix a problem. I mean, you'll go see a counselor, uh, you'll buy self-help books, we'll get in the car and drive miles, you know, state to state to visit an experienced, you know, specialized doctor. And those are all great gifts and those are all great resources. You know what? We can pray. You and I have this privilege as followers of Jesus Christ that we can go to the creator of the universe with our prayers and he responds by listening. He is ready to respond. He, he supplies, he listens to our prayers, he provides. A couple of great promises found in scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse six says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, these are great verses to memorize, you know, as you get started in prayer. You know, wh- why do we forget to go to God for help? I, sometimes I think we just forget. You know, sometimes we're not sure if it works. You know, sometimes it's a perception issue. I mean, because if your view of God right now is that he's like this angry cop, you know, or this angry school principal and you've got to walk into his presence ashamed or, or fearful of how it is that he's going to respond. Well, you've got a perception issue. I, I like what one writer says. He says, if you're ever going to get anywhere in your prayer life, if you're going to get started in your prayer life or grow in your prayer life, we've really got to see God as our father. We've got to be willing to call him father. And I realize that for some, that's not maybe an easy thing to do because maybe dad wasn't present in your life or you had an abusive father or you know, someone that couldn't be counted on. He was less than perfect. We've got a father in heaven that we can go to who is perfect. And he has promised to hear us and to respond to us. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, here's the problem that I think many of us need to overcome is that we need to come to this place where we believe with all of our heart that prayer works, that God does listen, and that he is ready to respond. You know, our our questions, our unbelief can keep us from praying, but James says you do not have because you do not ask God. And our Father wants to hear us. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants to deliver for you. He wants to provide for your family. And the question is, do you want it enough to keep going back to him 
with your requests and with your prayers. You want to give him permission that his will be done in your life. You know, when we have an appeal, it's maybe asking God about your own needs. Maybe it's praying for others, a sister who has cancer. You know, missionaries in Haiti, our church even right now, we can go to God. And so let's just take a moment to do that. What, it is, what is it that God has laid on your heart this morning that you want to take as a request before him? He'll listen. Let's take a moment to do that. God, we are so grateful that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. May we be people who are never fearful of coming to you with our requests. And we thank you, Lord, that you promise to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in in sharing this model, I just hope that, again, that it gives you some place to start if you need a point of reference. And maybe you've got something that works for you, and if it does, great, continue in that. But if you need this starting place, I mean, just to be able to ask, am I walking into prayer as my heart properly positioned to be reminded of who God is and who I'm not, to give him thanks? Am I ready to affirm that his will be done in my life, even if it's not what I want, but it is definitely what God wants? You know, am I ready to lay my requests out before him, knowing that he promises to help? And then the last word is this. You know, Jesus prayed in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the word here is just the word apology. <clears throat> You know, the the word is apology, that we can go to God to confess sins. Now, confession should be a part of everyone's life, you know, our life. It it keeps us close to God. We're reminded of what it is that Jesus Christ has made available to us. And, you know, we go and say, God, I I messed up in this. Would would you forgive me? And not that it becomes so simple that we, we never forget what it truly means, but forgiveness is an essential part of any genuine relationship. And the same is true in our relationship with God. You know, so you can pray, God, forgive me for flying off the handle at my wife. God, would you forgive me for these lustful thoughts that I struggle with? God, would you forgive me for being self-centered? You know what the crazy thing about confession is? That when we go to God to confess our sins, He already knows what we're going to confess. But He just wants us to be able to acknowledge it in our own hearts so that he can give us the freedom to move forward. Jesus prayed, lead us not into temptation. God, protect me for what's about to come ahead. You know, Jesus knew that he'd be tempted. You and I are tempted. And we can pray for his protection. And so for this last portion of our prayer time uh, this morning, I want to give you just a moment. Is there something that you need to confess to God this morning? Maybe you need to experience his forgiveness in some way in his life. What is it? Would you take that to God this morning and seek his forgiveness? You can do that right now. Let's just be silent together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you as a church today, and we just we honor you, God, with everything that we do. There is no one like you, God. Your power, your wisdom, your provision, I mean, we can't begin to understand, Lord. God, I know that I struggle in prayer, and I know that I'm certainly not alone in this. God, you are the creator of the world, and yet you find joy in hearing from me. You find joy in hearing from us. Who am I? Who are we that we deserve that attention? God, we praise you because you are all-knowing and you are all-powerful. And we just affirm right now in this place this morning that we want you at the center of our lives. We want you at the center of our church, that your will would be done in us. And God, I know that there are a lot of appeals that have gone up to you this morning, and I know that you care about each of them. 
I know this room is full of needs and there are lots of different hurts and concerns. And so we just bring them to you and we ask you, we invite you to intervene. Lord, I confess my sin to you today. I confess that sometimes I pray and I pray in order to impress people. I confess to you the lack of faith that is behind my prayers. It's so easy for me to try and carry the weight of my life or at least try and I forget your promises the promises that you are there and you are ready to help me and give me strength in my time of need. God, I've been impatient this week. I've been angry. I've been selfish. Would you forgive me? Would you give me the strength to do better? I want to honor you with every part of my life as a husband, as a father, as a friend, and as a pastor. And I confess this to you now. And with every head bowed and eye closed, you know, the great thing about our relationship with God is that when we confess He forgives, that He cleanses, that He sets us free. And some of you are are here this morning, and do you know what's crazy? You've had people praying for you for years. They have been praying that you would surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that we celebrate at this church is that Jesus has come, that He died, that He paid the price, and He was resurrected, that we might have eternal life. But that's something that you've got to want in your life. You've got to be willing to receive that. You know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, maybe you're here today and maybe you've sensed those prayers for you. Maybe even today, right now, the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and His question for you is this, is Jesus Christ the center of your life? Do you have that relationship with God? I realize that there may be some here today and you've never made that decision before and maybe this morning is your opportunity to do that. No one's looking around. If you would like to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, would you just slip your hand up in the air right now wherever you are? I just want to be able to pray for you and invite you to pray with me. Wherever you are, don't be ashamed in that. If you just raise your hand up right now, you can pray this prayer with me. Pray it silently to yourself. God, I surrender my life to you today. Forgive me of my sins. I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. And we celebrate that with you today. And we celebrate those commitments, God. Thank you for those commitments here this morning, Lord. Thank you for being our God, a God who listens and responds. We give you all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we say these things. Amen.